Hello, I'm Natalie from Genealogy Stories and welcome to Twice Removed, the show where we talk about everything history related. Kirsty Sergi today, who is a, a PhD student at the University of Sheffield and a performance maker and also a family historian. <laughs> um, uh, Kirsty, can you tell me a bit about what, what exactly is a performance maker? Okay, so as a performance maker um, and a performance researcher as well, um, I'm researching and have been researching family histories through performance. What I've been doing is making performances out of family histories, out of the materials that I find, um, out of the stories, out of the data and trying to play with those. So my method is play and my method is play in lots of different ways. Um, it started very much with just experimenting with my family history, just experimenting with my stories and, and taking those into different spaces, into different uh, I started with a slideshow. So okay. I started thinking, well, I've got all these objects. I've got these, this set of slides that my great grandmother took on a holiday. And how, what can I, how can I play with these? How can I create some sort of show, some sort of performance that uses these as a, to tell a family history? But there, there was very little story there, very little actual history. I don't know the story. And what I had to do was uncover the story of the slides, try and work out what they might be, but in the end, the story is speculation and the story, I don't know about the holiday. I can imagine the holiday. I can talk about what she might have said, but I can't, I can't ever know what she said. All I can do is place those in their context in 1967 in a possible holiday, possibly to Norway, perhaps. I don't know. I don't, I, there's, there's very few photos of her in the, this set of slides. So I have to imagine, well, what would she be, why is she taking that photo? What's, what's intriguing to her for that photo? So as a performance maker, I'm approaching those materials in a way that says, well, I want to turn these into something else. They've started, they're, they're not just slides, they're something that I can turn into performance into a show into a story even if that story is just me experimenting so even if the story is just me telling a story and working out what these things mean to me that's a really interesting idea so so not necessarily trying to get concrete concrete facts when, when you can't when there's when there's missing no. data but actually thinking about how you feel about them and what they mean to you okay I like that idea because it, it's sometimes with family history as much as we want to have all the information quite often we 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 don't no. <laughs> or we have gaps um you know and I, I i think more traditionally we tend to use um research into uh places and and time periods but um to, to fill those gaps how, how does that fit with your performance that idea of researching uh places and times I think they might find the idea of heritage very interesting. But I, I look to a researcher called Laura Jane Smith, who I think is really interesting on this work, who looks at heritage as an idea of as a performance. <laughs> Surprisingly, I find this a treat in intriguing. But yeah, so she is she's talking about heritage 
she says that heritage sites are performances. We, we go to visit a castle or we go to visit whatever it is, and we, we're seeing the way that, that that history is presented to us through that site, but it's the performance of that site that is heritage. And I think with family history, there's an element of family heritage where we it's about our relationship to that story that, that makes it interesting to each other. So if I'm telling you a story about my family history, I, I think that's more interesting if I'm telling it to you rather than if somebody else is telling you my story about my family history. Mm. And a lot of the work that I've been doing is about individual exchange of stories. So your, your family history is really interesting to me when you're telling me it, when I'm connected to your story because you're the one who's sharing it with me. Whereas when we hear these stories elsewhere or when we're not hearing them directly, they're just becoming history just history but they're, they're they're much broader connection I think these individual little lines that we as family historians trace can become very interesting because of that relationship that we have with them so how much do you think family history oh, it's probably a really big question but how much do you think family history um uh, helps people to inform their own identity so I mean I personally say my family history is a very important part of my identity but do you think that's quite a, you know, is that quite a common feeling, do you think, or? For me, being able to talk about my family history is quite an important thing. I don't know how much it informs who I am and how much, how rooted I feel. But I know that I've come across, a lot of the surprises I've come across is just how how far my family goes. I, I was born in Carlisle and... I didn't realize, and but neither of my parents were. But it turns out the generations before them, and before them, and or before my dad, anyway, they'd been born in Carlisle for quite a long time. And I'd, I'd never really realized that. And that sense of there was definitely a sense of rootedness that came from realizing just how um, how connected I was to that part of the country. Um, what for me. As a storyteller, as a performance maker, what's interesting is how we can tell those stories. So not necessarily the history itself, but how how by sharing those stories, that can help us to make sense of the stories. So saying them out loud, and I know certainly I've played um, so part of my research, which you know about Natalie, but I haven't mentioned so far, is that I developed a board game that you play in a public space and you share, share family history stories as you're playing it. And I know certainly some people, as they've been playing it, have suddenly gone, oh, do you know, I've not thought of that because they've just put two ideas together that they hadn't come up with before. And then they've gone away to research that idea to work out whatever it was. I don't know what the outcome was. But by presenting the information in a different way, by saying it out loud, for me, I think that's a really important thing. And we've got this bank of stories and we've all got this amazing bank of stories behind us that where we can look back and we can try and work out where they've come from, where, who's individual, what, you know, what people have done, what people's lives were like 100 years ago, 50 years ago, 200 years ago, whatever, where, however far it is. And obviously there are, we hit brick walls and some people might hear more than others. But at the same point, there's still so many lines. I mean, you know, oh, I forget the numbers, but if you go back 100 years, you know, your the people who you're descended from, well, you know, it's at least 16 great grandparents being born 10 years ago, isn't it? So that's, 
that's that's an awful lot of people that you can start looking for because there's another 32 just behind them and you know so <laughs> there's just it's this bank of stories that we can make use of that we can share and help us to understand what happened what life was like what well what our families were doing one of the pieces that i worked on through the phd was about my great grandmothers so four great grandmothers and sort of tracking them almost data wise through through their lives so they're all born around 1890 ish and then they um and so they're living through the 20th century um and just thinking about well so each of them four separate women going through these totally different experiences and uh in Ireland and in England and what what's similar what's different what what I'm assuming might be big things in their lives might not be then have you know so assuming thinking first world war obviously that's going to be a big story but of course for the women living in Ireland there's there's much bigger stories going on throughout the 20th century that are impacting on their lives right the way through. It's interesting you bring up women there because I think in in particular women's history can be quite hard to to uncover and funny enough through these interviews one of the mm. one of the themes that seems to have come out is um is how people have connected with their female ancestors um and learned um stories of of, of resilience um mm. and bravery um and uh drudgery uh and um entrepreneurship you know um yeah you know that that you wouldn't necessarily um you know imagine your your female ancestors did on, on the surface mm. of things so I, that, I find that quite interesting um what was it that led you to start researching your own um family history so I started studying an MA in theatre and performance um and a couple of years before that my my grandfather's cousin had died and he was the end of of that line so we were his closest family uh, so we were clearing out the house and it was the same house my granddad had been born in, um, in 1917. Um, and they, his, my grandfather's grandparents had bought the house at the start of the 20th century. Um, it was a farmhouse, so they'd farmed the land and then, and then it had gone down the other line, um, to my granddad's cousin. And so, and then let's say he died um, in just before I started doing this MA. Anyway, so what we're doing is we're emptying the house and we're emptying a house that's full of 110 years worth of stuff, <laughs> of photographs without any labels on them, of, <laughs> yes, <laughs> of Cumberland and Westmoreland wrestling memorabilia. Because, okay, <laughs> yeah, because my, my great great sorry get, get my greats right uh, well my great grandfather and his brother who would be my great great uncle uh, were world champion Cumberland and Westmoreland wrestlers um, and my great great uncle particularly was was you know a real star in the field he he won it more times than anybody else at the time and they were they were very um, small so they were lightweight featherweights or something like that they were they were um, in the smallest category, a category that doesn't really even exist for men anymore. <laughs> they, they start a bit bigger than, the, I think they're like nine and a half stone or something, they go up from that now. Um, yeah, so, but it's fascinating stuff. So you've got medals, you've got all this thing. And, and then there's this woman who's the woman who's bought the house with her husband, who's Isabella Nicholl. Um, and 
I don't know anything about her because she's not there in these stories because there's all these stories about the men and there's all this story that, you know, there's this, the information, the mortgage things are signed by the men. There's, um, and so I'm wondering about her. So I created this piece for my master's degree, which was about her and about the lack of information about her and trying to piece together what she might have thought. And again, it's this unknown, this what can we, what can I work out from the bits I've got? Yeah. Um, and also this Cumberland wrestling story or Cumberland and Westmoreland style wrestling story, uh, which is just interesting. And, and, you know, again, it's something that, that they were very good at. So it's, you know, their stories are all there, but why, why, why isn't hers? And trying to build that symbolism in, build the symbolism of the, in Cumberland and West, Westmoreland wrestling, the first person who falls is the person who loses. So okay. if, you, if you fall first, you lose first. So there's there's a this felt like there was a lovely a nice bit of symbolism that I could use there that is about how uh, how the women and the the son the son who died earlier who we didn't know about who he was just um, a young man when he died he died of pneumonia but we he hadn't his story hadn't passed down the same way that others had because because he hadn't left any descendants so. The, the untangling of that house, the creating of this then performance about Isabella and thinking, well, what can we say about this woman that we don't know anything about, who otherwise is forgotten? And like exactly what you were saying before, getting that close relationship with her then, even though I don't know her, because I found her diary, her, not her diary, that would be wonderful. No, <laughs> I found her, her Bible, which had been given to her and her husband when they got married. Uh, so it's got a little inscription to her. I've got another one which has her name, just another book that has her name just written in the front. And you think, well, is that her? Has she written her name or has somebody else written her name yeah. for her? Uh, and a sampler. So a sampler that she sewed when she was 12. And it's imag uh, it's imagining what her life will be like in the future. It's a, it's a really standard verse. It's not something she hasn't made up the verse in any sense. But imagine this 12-year-old imagining what life would be like in the future. And mm. obviously now that future is is long past. It's, it's... That's something I always find really odd when you watch, um, or, or sort of uncanny, I guess, is the right mm. way, when you watch um, really old videos that have got uh, children in them, and or yes. pets, and you think those children will have been dead before I was even born yeah. a long yeah. time ago, and yet you're seeing them in this 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 perfect snapshot in time and and, and I think um, objects can can mm. evoke similar feelings of a kind of odd mix of like nostalgia and uncanniness and yeah. our own mortality and all the stories that make up a life really is that I, that's, how, that's what I think is that just my random brain or do, do, you, do you agree? No, absolutely. And I think, I mean, one of my things with using play is that play happens now. It's happening in the moment. Whatever we're doing right now is the playful moment. When we look back at it, it's something else. But thinking about we're in this moment with this thing now. So we're connected at this moment, whether it's whether it's a you know a copper kettle or which is one of the things I'm using in the piece, or whether it's a photograph. And I think yeah, there's something in the photograph where the photograph is a promise, isn't it? Because you take a photograph and you're going to look at it later, particularly a film photograph, I'm thinking of particularly, but you took a photograph, you were going to look at it later, you, you're going to uh, hang it up on the wall, you're going to send it to your relatives, whatever it is you're going to do. 
and yet you're frozen in that moment and and you might never see that photograph you might not um it it is the moment where you are you're yeah i think there is i agree i totally get you that sense of uncanny that you're in um you're in a moment there's one of my 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 grandfather had a sister um, and she died in the second world war she was a nurse and for the uh, an alexandra nurse and she was working in nigeria during the second world war and she died of malaria um so i never met her and i but i look quite a lot like her and she's much younger than me I mean, you know, like now, obviously, there was a time when she wasn't, but but she died when she was 23. And just you look at a photograph of her and she's. There is there, is, you know, people have looked at the, there's one photograph in particular where she looks particularly like me and, and people looked at it and go, that, is that Kirsty, you know, that's and there's that that sense of such a connection, but yet not at all. We're, we're not we, we never knew each other. We're we're totally disconnected and yet there is that that pull towards particular people no i no i i agree i, I um funny enough i was just posting um at the weekend i posted a, a photo of my um great grandfather who who died serving in world war ii um he was 34 mm. a couple of years past that now um and um yeah it, it's it's a really strange thing to look back on somebody that's that's younger than you are now that that gave you life but they yeah. didn't get to live it you know so it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to put into words I almost think photographs are like mm. a moment where time which is really intangible and uncontrollable and chaos chaotic and timey-wimey to because <laughs> yes. I think that's just something yeah, it is absolutely <laughs> um photos are this moment where where for a for a split second, something is made solid and tangible and fixed. Um, mm. And yeah, there, there, there's a real sort of odd sensation that that creates, I think, and that's hard to put into words. Uh, and I, I could see how uh, using that as a piece of performance could um, mm. help evoke those feelings or, or put, put those feelings into thoughts because they're quite hard to describe. Um, See, I get that. <laughs> Just yeah. got one, person. One, one of the things I definitely found when I was creating the performances with photographs was that people put much more authenticity onto it. So people, so people saw that connection between me and the event. And that, the same when I go, when I've watched other people's performances with photographs, even if the photographs aren't actually connected, even yeah. if it's a made-up backdrop of you know, historical photographs. There is something about photographs that says this is authentic. Yeah. Even when you're even when you're questioning it as it happens, there is they we see it as a as a connection. Somehow. Yeah, but it, it, especially images of people because it's quite uh, not so much now, I guess, because photos are taken so so readily and are, are almost disposable, aren't they? Um, hmm. But um, you know once upon a time that would have been it would have involved setup and decisions and uh, and permission as well there, there's mm -hmm. something about you know the permission to to have your identity captured for a moment I, I hate yeah. photographs of myself so and yet people are always saying to me you should take more photos of yourself and your children because if something ever happened to you you know you want your children to have that in the future 
Uh, and yeah, I find it really difficult to do. So and I'm sure I'm not alone with no. <laughs> alone on that. But so yeah, that kind of permission to to replicate your identity. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting idea. So um, getting back to stories a little bit, what, what are mm. some of the most, um, you know, if you had to pick a couple of stories that have really stuck with you, either either for your own family history research or, or uh, snippets that you've heard doing lines and ladders, um, could you pick a couple to tell us about? I think I was just thinking when you were asking about grandmothers before, and so I was thinking about my great grandmother, um, one of whom uh, was was born in Manchester, which I hadn't realised because she's on the Irish side, so I'd assume she'd been born in Ireland, but it turned out that her family is actually from Manchester. Um, so she was born in Manchester and she went she went to university um, and she studied to be a nurse, a doctor, sorry, she didn't study to be a nurse, she studied to be a doctor. So she studied to be a, during the First World War. So during the First World War, obviously, there were less male students. She'd actually started quite early on, um, but there were less male students available to study, to be um, sorry, just to study anywhere, to, to yeah. go to, to any sort of university or anything. And she studied to be a doctor and qualified in 1920 but it was quite interesting looking into a bit of the history of, of what exactly was going on there and whilst I didn't find a lot specifically about her what I did manage to find out more a little bit about why the universities then took women on and and, and the sort of arguments to and from and, and the university that that granted her her degree then actually went back on it after the first world war and didn't give women degrees oh, really? again. so it was it wasn't like they pushed through and, and came out the other side and got their degrees they they went through and and funded the universities during the first world war and then and then were taken that right was taken away again that's really interesting so she managed to capture in in that sense she was lucky in that mm. you know slotted through this particular time period but also presumably must have been you know ambitious and quite determined <laughs> yeah and she yeah so that's quite interesting and obviously by the time she graduates in 1920 she's I just it's got really bright hasn't it <laughs> um, yeah by the time she graduates in 1920 obviously the war's over so it, there's that and then she goes off and works a little bit in public health before getting married and then not practicing which is oh. it just seems so sad to me that that happened uh, but also her mother was a really interesting character who, um, yeah, so her mother kept a diary, which I haven't got a copy of, which I, no, I have a copy of. My grandfather typed it up, so I've got a, a copy, but I've not got the real thing. I don't, we, I managed to track down the real mm -hmm. thing. So the copy is amazing, and the cop, but, but there's always that thing, if you want to know, you know, why does it stop there? Is that a whole different page or is that, yeah. you know, does that date refer to that or has my granddad just carried on where actually she was, that was a whole nother thing. You can't see quite, and he, I can't ask him anymore because he's not with us unfortunately. But the, yeah, so her, her mother kept a diary um, and in the diary, the her mother refers to Sybil, my great grandmother as being, you know, um, a, can't remember the images now but she's she's very complimentary about her being clever and being 
um I, I get the impression she's maybe a little bit naughty a little bit you know <laughs> certainly the, the kid who is is not stopping is is constantly asking questions is constantly and the, the mother's pride in that is quite interesting um and very much this diary is focused on describing the lives of her four children and so there's two girls and two boys and and the boys are going to go on and do amazing things with their lives and, and neither of them do one of them dies in the first world war and one dies just after the first world war um having having fought in the first world war he then um dies uh, a little does bit later diary have, does her diary does her diary have her um thoughts on that recorded yes um yeah so they're um i mean it's heartbreaking because yeah. you read the diary as a and you see her her total uh, she's completely committed to these to her children and completely committed to what they will be and what will happen and obviously as you're reading it you're very aware because because you know the history you know what's going to happen at the start of the 20th century even if even if i'd read it not knowing specifically what happened to her children i know what might happen to her children mm. uh, but it was but reading so she doesn't comment on Sybil going she comments once in the diary on Sybil going to medical school which is obviously happening at the same time as the war um, and she and I think there is an element of that of things just getting out of her control out of what she can do um, which is, yeah, quite. In that, that's been so. Though, so just looking at those two women's stories and their relationship and how, and seeing as what we were saying again about the photograph, a diary is is that, that same captured in a moment thing. Yeah, it's this, yeah. this is what I think here at this moment, and if if I move forward. She, you know, obviously she hasn't gone back and said, oh, no, well, this didn't happen. You don't do. When you're writing your own diary, you don't yeah. very much a thinking about the day that you've just had and, and, and the future. I know I kept a diary during the pandemic. I've, I've kept one oh, on, brilliant. And, on and off periodically. Um, and then I tend to have six months or a year where I won't write it again. And then I'll pick mm. it back up again for a couple of months. Um, but I did oh. I did manage to maintain it during the pandemic. Uh, and already I've read bits of it back and already mm. I, I, it, it, it's really strange. <laughs> yes it's disconnected it's because you know the outcome so yeah yeah, yeah. Odd. a lot of what it is is it's those individual stories in the moment so it's when different stories bounce off each other that's been one of the most interesting things so it's not necessarily individual stories that you take away but it's that experience of i'll tell a story and then somebody else will have a story that connects into that um and that's in it's very much in the moment um event and i just think i think there's something so important in that being able to talk about talk about our stories talk about ourselves and that's um one of the bits of feedback that came out was it's just nice to have time where you're sitting for an hour takes about an hour to play just talking about your your family history talking about your own history it it's supposed to be about family history but depending on how much family history people know I adapt the questioning a little bit so that everybody's engaged and everybody's able to take part because I don't particularly want to sit there and not not have stories or just make people listen to me because that 
gets dull. <laughs> so I, I will. So then you tend to get more quite a lot of very personal stories as well, and talking about you know what history was like when you were growing up and things like that. And it's, um, yeah, it's. So I'm, I'm looking. I've got it sitting over there on the chair, and it's prompting me to think <laughs> of different things. But it's, um, yeah, I think that's been a really interesting thing. Just how how your stories can connect into each other, even when you've never met before. Uh, and how they can be, how they can um, prompt one another, but also how they can be totally different. And you can have, you know, three people sitting around the table and everybody's got totally different stories that they can bring in. And you're learning all the time and learning about different moments of history, different um, places. So, so somebody's telling me a history about um, where they grew up and it's a place um i've never heard of or somebody else is telling me a story and and i'm going oh yeah no my grand lived there as well which which actually and you know or whatever it is it's those sort of the the totally separate connections that you're not expecting and that suddenly everything can come together and... yeah no I, I i played the game with my mum when we met you at mm -hmm. the um oh, it was the family history exhibition wasn't it yeah it was family tree live family tree live that's it in the um uh alexander palace and mm -hmm. um yeah i know i played i played the game with my mum and and uh i was dubious about what we get out of it in a way because my mum and i have traced our family history together predominantly mm. um but what i hadn't factored in is that i've done an awful lot on my dad's side uh, my parents are divorced as well so so my mum never had much of an interest in my dad's side and yet through doing that game we ended up sharing lots of stories <laughs> half of which were from my dad's side and it was a way of engaging uh, with them mm. which was it was really pleasant and it was really enjoyable and it was enjoyable to see other people sat playing mm. the game as well and um yeah I should think it's quite a good way of getting people who or encouraging people who who might think that their family history is boring um to engage with it or, or to to give it a go because I've I meet a lot of people who say, "Oh, my ancestors didn't do anything," you know, or I've never really looked at my tree because I know we were just we were just labourers or we were just coal miners in such and such place. And yeah. and I think they think it's going to be dry and dull. And um, and I always want to scream and shake them and go, "No!" <laughs> it's fascinating. It's amazing, and you've got such yeah. There's so many stories there, and so much. How did those? How did they live? What were they doing? What were what? Yeah, where, where were they mining? <laughs> you know, or whatever it is. It's that, yeah, absolutely. And we, we've talked about um, uh, a lot of the stories that we've talked about have been mm. set during wartime, which mm. um, which doesn't surprise me, actually, because that, that seems to come up a lot in, in mm. interviews so far as well. I think it's almost within living memory or we mm. have people who lived through that time that we might have met briefly in their old age. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favourite time period at all? Is there... Is there a certain era that calls you or are you quite quite holistic in your in your enjoyment of stories i'm i'm more more than holistic i'm a magpie <laughs> so i like to jump in and go oh i'll look at this bit for a bit and then i'll go right okay i'll look so i spent quite a lot of time in the late 60s looking at my great grandmother's uh photographs holiday photographs and sort of thinking about photographic theory and and you know where you might go on holiday from cumberland in the 1960s <laughs> And, and so that that was great fun. Um, and then, yeah, and so then broad scope. And what I what I really liked about the game 
was it allowed me to be that magpie to jump in and out of you know from the the shoemakers in Cumberland in the 1800s into the when the farmers and whatever else they were doing and that kind of yeah I really like yeah no I'm totally a magpie so it's it's much more of a I'll jump in I'll have a I'll have a delve around find out what's exciting in here and then I'll go but I've tended to go further back rather than dealing with um sort of within my own lifetime in the sense of it it's looking trying to look at it more as history rather than as personal story but having said that some one of the best things that's come out of doing this research project has been having really long conversations with my gran about what what she remembers growing up and her experiences again her experiences in the second world war and um and she worked for the royal observer corps towards the end of the war so she would be um uh, she's based in Carlisle and she she was drawing the, the little arrows on the map to show where the planes were coming presumably heading up towards Glasgow and, and back um but yeah so she she talks she's got so many stories about that and so much experience of, of what she went through in that time but also going through her photo albums with her and, and she's brilliant because she labels all her photographs <laughs> yes not just with who's in them but with little bits of story and things as well so it's it's fabulous but it's it's really made me make the time to have those conversations which is you know so important and I should have been doing anyway but it's it's been it's been a really good prompt to have that time yeah it's, it's interesting that you you mentioned the 1960s because I think you're the first person that that's kind of mentioned more um more modern history mm. I think sometimes we forget that actually even you know as recently as the 1990s is 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 history still it's, yeah, yeah. it's time that's gone past um and certainly like chatting to my own mum about um some of the things that she did at school and and um uh, women's health and things like that that there is um a really big difference between the 60s <laughs> yeah uh, and the era that she was born into and, and obviously she was sort of a teenager in the 70s and a young woman in the 80s mm. um and that even between those kind of sh quite short time periods there, there's actually a lot of big cultural and and social and legal changes mm. so um absolutely that's a really good piece of advice actually to to not get too hung up on going as far back as possible sometimes if you can't just uh, look at more recent history because it's still yeah <laughs> I, I mean I'm a teacher as well and one of the really interesting talk my, to my gran about was she went to school um, and they had a really innovative curriculum which was basically student-led so wow. they they would work through I've forgotten what the name, name of it is now but they would I'll, I'll, I'll email you whatever it was afterwards um, but they basically they'd go through essentially work packs I think so they'd be going through and they'd have to get so far and they'd have to do so many different tasks and tick off you know they had to get everything up to a level but they could do it in whatever order they wanted and they'd and they'd be do, they'd be choosing when to do it and they'd have to show so much but they'd it was very much she was in control of what happened when when the war started and children got evacuated up to Cumbria that system stopped happening because it obviously couldn't, I guess it couldn't cope with the numbers of children now in the school but just that idea of that that was happening that was then something that again we were trying to introduce again you know 
No, it's really interesting because I found a, I found a big pile of school reports belonging to my nan. My, my grandparents got burgled a couple of years ago um, and the, the only good thing um, that came out of it was that it meant I had to go through all their things with them, um, which meant I finally got to see a big thing, a big hoard of unlabeled photographs that my nan, my nan's got no interest and so she's she doesn't really understand why I do. So she's very much yeah. dismissive, but um amongst this big pile of stuff that they had was her old school reports which I took great pleasure in, wow. in reading through because yes. um, it was held things like Irish talks too much and, you know, <laughs> it was really quite funny I was going to be concentrating more and yeah it was, it was quite hilarious um, but she was talking about how her education was disrupted by being um, evacuated mm. to a farm in, in Wales during World War II and mm. she brought this up again when the pandemic happened you know when I was homeschooling my children she was very much like they'll be fine i mean we survived the war with very little education we were down the shelter every five minutes you know and we yeah. all we all came out all right you know so it, it was really interesting yeah, yeah. and that's one of the things that i found quite interesting about the pandemic actually is how it's made me relook at some of the stories in my yeah. own family history especially from uh, the sort of second world war period yeah and i think a certain extent to which growing up in the 80s and 90s a lot of our children's fiction was maybe a little bit romanticizing that period um, and looking back at it as a sort of rosy time where where children got to do this and that and and, and I think maybe a little bit of needing to revisit that that vision of what oh, obviously I'm not saying that I thought the war was a rosy time what I, but what I mean is I think there was an extent to which our fiction was making it look like it, it could be it was you know everybody just did the right thing and everybody and no I'm not sure that actually worked quite like that I'm not sure that quite it was quite as um you know followed exactly how we, we think that everybody did exactly what they should have done all the time and everybody agreed right from the beginning that this was the right thing to do and yeah and I think it's made us realize no all the way through people are questioning and going is this is this how we should be doing this is this is this the right way and make us realise yeah I agree. Well it brought home for me um, not knowing the outcome so it's quite hard mm. to look at um, our war ancestors and imagine what it's like not knowing the outcome you know they didn't know when the war was going to end or if rationing mm. was going to be successful or you know all those kind of things and somehow when you're looking back at it that gets lost um, just because it's so hard to, to keep hold of in your head and then at the beginning of the pandemic, when people had um, had been manic food buying, um, mm. my sister-in-law and I spent a, an evening on the phone really, really quite worried about what if we can't feed the kids? What if we can't get hold of things? Um, and probably going to a bit of a panic ourselves, really. Um, and yeah, and, and it did remind me of, of what that must have been like during during the war era, that sudden shortage and, and, and the not knowing, you know, so yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Do you look back at newspapers, and it sort of always amazes me because you assume all they're thinking about is the war. No, they're not. It's like a column down the side or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, maybe not quite to that extent, but there is, there's all this other stuff going on. Um, the grandmother, the great grandmother who wrote the diary went on holiday to uh, Limoges in 1916. No, 1917, but anyway, it's during the wow. war. I, I can't remember exactly which year it is. It's, it's certainly before 17, because some dies in 1917. But but yeah, she goes on holiday to France. That's really bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> I just I think, well done. That. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I still don't really understand how that would. Her husband's an MP at this point. Right. Um, it was a cover story. Oh, yeah, I just. Secret espionage. Yeah. <laughs> but she's recording in a diary and she's going on holiday with a friend, you know, Mrs. Yeah. Something. I can't remember. She got a letter. It's not a full name, you know, went on holiday with Mrs. H or something like that. But yeah. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. I, the First World War, I, I guess it was something very much that was being fought in particular places as well. Mm. Where, you know, in a different way from World War. Yes, so, yeah. <laughs> I know, and it's, um, and also obviously at this point, both of her sons are fighting in the war and her, uh, her oldest daughter's husband at this point, yeah, I think is fighting in the first, is fighting as well. Um, and her, her youngest daughter studying at university to be a doctor. So she's, it's, she's certainly aware it's going on. It's not like she's not knowing that it's happening, but there, yeah, she goes on holiday to, to France. I think that's brilliant. Um, yeah. Okay, so yes. I always Sorry. end with this question because I just think it's really interesting to yeah. hear different people's responses. Um, if you met somebody who was sitting on the fence about tracing their family history or looking into their family history um what what would you say to them I'd say oh yeah I think it's all about the discoveries you'd be amazed what you discover um it's and a lot of it is in that chase it's in the looking up the documents it's finding the individual little stories it's it's not just even about the stories that you get to at the end it's about how how you get to those stories what you what you read the documents that you had to go through to open that the the censuses and when you look at a census report and you see that your your family are there and, and they're living there in, in a house together and across the road is a family with a name that you know is coming into the family history in 10 years time you go oh well, that's interesting so you're not just seeing them you're seeing their neighbors you're seeing their friends and i just think it's yeah, you've got, to, you've got to enjoy the chase. I love that. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for your time. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. Thank you very much for inviting me to talk to you. It's lovely. If you enjoyed this video, don't forget to hit subscribe or visit me at www.genealogystories.co.uk.